what are your thoughts on like the future of counterparty is there any future at all like yeah, if somebody dies can they, <laughs> i feel like if big dog has a heart attack i'm wrecked it's all over yeah no i mean look man your, your thoughts are and um that that idea is a lot of people were feeling that right when the two main the main explorer and the main wallet goes down you're like what's going on this is over like and but i think that the thing to put in context is the same thing could happen on ethereum Right. If MetaMask turned off tomorrow, MetaMask is owned by a private company and, um, you know, the Explorer turned off tomorrow on 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 ETH. That's a private company. Uh, we'd all be like, what's going on? Oh, my God, is ETH broken? Right. Same thing just happened with JDog, right? JDog owns Xchain. JDog owns Free Wallet. So the same thing happened. Um, and it's it's discombobulating and it's scary and stuff. And, and everybody understands why that's scary. But the, the underlying tokens in the chain and everything is fine. But I do agree with you. And I think JDog moving and basically pulling away from Counterparty, where now four people are involved as the kind of the core devs, uh, it still feels like, wow, that doesn't feel robust enough. Um, but just to put in perspective, Bitcoin like had the same deal in 2013, 14, and 15. Like it was you know, five, six guys, which were basically running Bitcoin. And it still is very much similar today. And there's there's a lot more robustness because there's, you know, thousands or millions of people on Twitter talking about it. And there are hundreds or thousands of devs who have a vested interest in it. So it's, it's much more robust than it previously was. But don't kid yourself, like Bitcoin in 13 and 14 was literally a handful of guys running that whole thing. So um, you know, put some solace in, in counterparty that it really only takes a couple guys to run these things. Um, so that's kind of my viewpoint on it. Adam, GM, GM, happy Wednesday, dude. Coming off the biggest spaces that we had hosted in, I don't know, maybe three or four months, over 2,000 listeners um, that had tuned into that on spaces. And then another five or 700 or so on viewers across all the streams, man. People love the maps. <laughs> People love maps, bro. I don't know, man. This metaverse idea is still, uh, bro, it's still real. I mean, I am, I'm more convinced today than I was even in 21 that the metaverse actually is already here. Uh, we're just figuring out now it's just the details. Uh, we all live this digital life. Um, we're so, it's so, I saw a post yesterday, maybe it was a TikTok or something, where somebody was like, oh, I missed the days. And they showed like a picture of a computer setup in like, you know, 1998, where you had the big PC sitting in your living room or something. And it's like, I like being able to go to my the internet and then leave and be in my real life. And now it's just, it's a layer that just sits on top of our entire lives. And how we interface with that layer is just, it's changing so much. Um, and if maps play a part of it, hey, everybody's going to be a winner. Oh, well, at least people, those people are. I'm not going to be a winner. I'm a loser. <laughs> maps, 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 man. I put the, I put this tweet out last night. After that spaces with NATs, I'm kind of convinced that non-arbitrary tokens are going to make their way to other blockchains. Um, yeah. Just in the similar fashion that NFTs did, because non-arbitrary tokens, really all you're doing is finding an arbitrary data set in a blockchain and then allowing people to mint tokens based off of what that set is, right? So like 
I think the Holy Grail would probably be 69 on Doge. <laughs> Lots that has 69 on it, right? Like uh, to me, that's that seems like a no-brainer. I think that'll probably end up trickling out to some of these other ecosystems for fun. It's almost like a scavenger hunt. That's uh, right. Sense. Yeah. yeah. In in a way, it's um the way I'm kind of wrapping my head around it is rather than just be able to create tokens on whatever I want, right? So we've we started with like okay, a naming system. Okay, we've we've constricted it. Like with BRC20, okay, it's four digits and it can only be four, right? And, you know, at the time, UI and everybody else is like, well, why not three? Why not five? Why not one? Why not two, right? And, but no, it's restricted. And so it, it's looking for new ways to create this uh, scarcity layer, right? And, and data that's tied already to something that's inherently known and scarce blockchain data uh, is one way to do it. I, I it, it keeps, as I'm looking at them, I'm, I'm thinking back to like, you know, crypto arte and what Seb did with like this idea of like each block as like an image and oh, stuff. Such a, such a head of its time project. Yeah. And so like, it's just this idea and I, I think it's a winner idea how we implement it though. Obviously you can just, you, there's always new stuff that we can think of, right. To, to create this restrictive layers. But if these first ones actually, you know, hold long-term uh, they could, you know, be interesting for sure. NAT to a billion dollars is what I keep saying. All when are we ready to do NAT on Bell? Somebody come <laughs> advise me on how to do it on Bell so we can get excited about it. Although we probably don't need more inscriptions right now. Got to be honest. We probably don't need more. It's also, the- it's just like a, a month of history of blocks. Not much, not much. Yeah, uh, not much there. Out of there. <laughs> that is, Bell's to me is still the most, one of the, one of the most interesting projects. Um, I think it still has probably the highest upside of any potential ecosystem because really what you're doing when you're trading inscriptions is you're, um, you're creating, it, it's essentially the, the ETH NFT 2021 playbook, right? Where they say NFTs are leveraged Ethereum. Right. So you just try to uh, multiply your ETH. This was in 2021. You multiply your ETH so that when ETH goes up, then you, you sell everything to ETH and then right then you get to ride those usd gains all the way up to the top right here with bells right we're already seeing this with bitcoin as well right all these brc20 people who went up you know a thousand x ten thousand x on ordi right they multiplied their bitcoin and then bitcoin also doubled in that in that case here with bells right you're on the ground for pretty much every ecosystem so whenever there's some sort of stability in that market well, I think that the, I guess the community timeline is like six months, right? Because that's when the the mining is st- stable or something like that, right? What is that? I forget. I mean, it really, is. it's a year. Really, it's a year. But the first having is like I don't know, forty five days away still, uh, which cuts the miners fee in half. It works in that way. It's identical to Bitcoin, so it's a having. They get half the miner rewards, and but then it's like another having in ninety days, and then another and another ninety days which is basically the year. And at that point, it goes to this thing of like, it, then each each block is only like two bell rewarded. Like, you know, basically then it's two bell per block forever, basically a million per year forever. So it gets to this like 60 million coin cap and then it's a million a year forever. So basically when people are like, oh, but the supply in this, I'm like, but guys, take today out of it. Think of 60 million. That's how many tokens are going to be in most of our lifetimes between 60 and 70 million tokens or coins and use that as your calculator. So when you're thinking of market cap, what is it in relation to that? Like that, that's the way to think of bells. Yep. Speaking of bells as well. Well, so then going back to that, right. Once that ecosystem stable, people are going to be trading bells. And so, 
or you're going to be trading bellinoles, right, to then multiply your bells. But the value of, of bells is literally pretty much at zero. It's at what, 15 cents or something? Yeah, it's like 20 cents, 15 cents, something like that. Yeah. So that's one of the coins itself that has the potential to, you know, a thousand X or 10,000 X. So you're going to multiply your bells and then ride a thousand or a hundred thousand, right? A thousand X. So if you multiply your bells trading bellinoles by a hundred and then bell, Bell's coin multiplies a hundred, right? You just have a ten thousand X right there. Right? Well, we're, so. we're, I mean, there's a lot of debate, and you kind of might have been the person who sparked this. It's like, well, is is the first token, you know, Nook going to have a bigger market cap than Bell's, right? Then or than the Bell native token, and that is completely possible, right? <laughs> because there are, I, I don't know, it's like it takes a hundred million inscriptions to mint out Nook, and so very much like Sats, this massive, massive supply. But you can do it, although it's many, many, many times more expensive today than it was a week or even two weeks ago, um, when it was literally like a tenth or a quarter of a penny to mint, um, you know, mint these out or even less. It was nothing. Like literally, you could mint a thousand, and it was like ten cents. It was crazy inexpensive. Um, so, but you wonder, okay, well, with that, which feels, you know basically even cheaper than even 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 inscriptions which how cheap you know the eths were on inscriptions okay is that poised to have like okay if it goes up to a penny or 10 cents or 20 cents you know that's like massive massive wins right so it seems like if there's a chance a you know brc20 style token will exceed the market cap of a native currency uh nook may be that maybe that token nook Maybe that token, dude. I was listening, so I was listening to Tom, our favorite, uh, one of our favorite founders out in this space. That fool is a madman, dude. He. What happened? Um, well, first, he just be he's he's being a little bit more aggressive in his stance towards um, eScription versus L2s. And I was listening to him this morning on um, an, an Asian based spaces, and again, dude, just coming after Vitalik, coming after the L2s, <laughs> coming after decentralization. He put he made a post um, January first where he basically said he's like eScription isn't coming after you know he's like or he said eScription isn't just coming after one L two he's like it's coming after everything like he's he he thinks eScriptions can uh, supplant every single L two that exists although you know Blast had their announcement yesterday I don't know if you saw this right Blast uh, a bunch of users. Crazy, right? The the meta on on Ethereum is is wild. One point two billion dollars were sent to Blast with just just to a multi sig contract. There was no product, you no know, nothing. So they they came out yesterday and basically said that Blast L two is going to basically, um, it's going to have everything that Blur has. Plus they're adding GambleFi products, which is basically what Luxray is doing. They're gonna have all these different NFT Fi based products, and the ter the Blur token dude pumped like thirty percent. Mm. Uh, and it's going to be tough to complete, compete with Blast because they're going to be playing these tokenomic games. They're doing really, really well at that. Yep. So if he's going to come after that, um, it's going to be hard to defeat the DGENs who just want to gamble and, and multiply their money, especially because Blast has this like point system. Blur has a point system. It's just like it is, it is a, a DGEN's dream to go gamble on that platform for points or for, for tokens. So it'll be hard. But in terms of scaling... Right, it's cheaper than than Ethereum is. Um, whether it will be cheaper than Blast, I think is to be determined. I think it's likely, mm -hmm. but Ecryption is really having uh, their moment right now. I've been following it pretty recently. 
There was a, a mint that happened recently called. Did we lose him? Itty, I'm still here. Flavin? I think oh, it's. I, I thought you stopped speaking. My bad. I, th- I think it's the network. All good, man. Of course. So there's, there's been a, a bunch of there's been a bunch of mints on the, you know, subscription for sure. But the itty bitties were popping. Uh, I almost bought a bunch because I was like, ah. <laughs> did you almost FOMO into it? <laughs> I did. I, I really did because I saw them pop and I was like, oh wow, they're still only like two hundred dollars or whatever. Um, then I was like, man, I can't chase this. I don't have the time, right? I was just like, I don't have the time, man. What are they at now? They're at like a ten thousand dollars. McBride failed again. No, so, so you see, how, I have it here pulled up on the screen. Ordex.ai. They this is my favorite description marketplace that i've seen it's at 0.07 it was up to like 0.15 like a few days ago so it's come down a little bit but the the interesting components i'm starting to see more eth nft influencers or like i I guess you'd say larger accounts and collectors start um showing some attention to eScriptions, maybe because the other quote-unquote eth whales have already moved over to ordinals and are showing monkeys and all these node monkeys and all these other ones but it's you know this is similar and it's on ETH mainnet so maybe this satisfies some of them. But I'm starting to see a lot more attention come this way. Totally, that- it's got the it's got the and it has this really you can get them inexpensive, right? And so it's much easier to see a 10x when something starts at ten dollars, right? Than when it starts at a thousand dollars. It's just it's so much easier uh, to see those those big pops, you know. Um, so obviously our our Chinese friends who maybe don't have you know they're not even the whales, like even me, right? I'm like, yeah, let's, you know, 200 bucks. Even at 200 bucks, I'm like, ah, 200, ah, it's already pricey. <laughs> you know? um, I, I honestly think for me, uh, Escriptions and Facet, I, I mean, I've said it before on here, I think those guys have a legit opportunity to be the number one L2, <laughs> right? Because they're not an L2, they're an L1 plus. Right. Yeah. L one plus. I like that L1 name. Plus. I mean, I think I think name. they have a unique opportunity. I tried to shill them an idea because I I was like, dude, I think you guys have tremendous uh, opportunity here because they're different. They're they're different than an L two, and I think that uh, the the narrative behind it, and they've obviously been able to capture that to a large degree, is uh, it's really really strong. It is L1 plus. I like it. I was calling it a L1 scaling solution. <laughs> right? I don't really know. But I mean, you open up Facet Swap. Uh, there was, they did have, I'll have to open up the decks here in a second. But you look here, um, just at the LP positions, it looks like there's about 6 million total in uh, LP that's been provided. Uh, F-E-T-H-S. Which I think is facet ETH, so it's probably it's like the equivalent of like wrapped ETH, and then ETH S is their top token. It has 500 ETH in total volume over the last 24 hours, which is you know a little over a million dollars. So, you know, it's nothing. That's nothing to scoff at um, in these times, especially as liquidity becomes more fragmented across all these different ecosystems. But this is to me, um, they in terms of like DeFi applications of all inscription ecosystems, I would say facet or I'd say ETH scriptions is probably furthest ahead. Yeah. Although recently, I think this was yet was this was this yesterday that Solana came out with a second type of of inscription ecosystem. I'm gonna defer this question question to our Solana expert. Have <laughs> it, dude. What is going on with Sol? I thought we had. Soul or SPL 20, 
now there's another one that came out. To, what was going on over there? Yo, was man. Good. Yeah, inscriptions are taking over. Um, a lot of people are looking for kind of what's going to be this cycle's big kind of breakthrough, big kind of change in narrative. It definitely seems like it's going to be something like inscriptions. Like they're everywhere. They still have enough people that are just kind of inscription deniers kind <laughs> of thing. Um, with Metaplex, they they run the the token standards on Solana, so they they release their inscriptions, and they pretty much have the standard of every protocol, token protocol uh, uh, across the whole chain. So that's a pretty big step for them. It's kind of like legit legitimizing their approach because it's been audited. They could have rushed it to market, but they kind of took a little bit of time, and and they probably have the the highest tech team, at least one of the highest tech teams on the whole chain. So. Um, I would definitely expect to see a ton more pump of inscriptions pumping out from there. Uh, like you said, with I mean, look how far it's even reached to something like Bell's, a totally kind of new way of looking at a blockchain. And the first thing that's blowing up on it is inscriptions. There's a ton of traction there. And so these are definitely the things to watch for the for the upcoming year. So with, is this with Metaplex, is this a new um, inscription standard or is this just like they're coming in with supplemental um, developer? developer um support yeah as far as i know it would be a new inscription standard that they would be basically in charge of kind of like adam said yesterday still they've always been criticized for being a little bit gatekeepy mm. kind of putting themselves between the consumer and the chain always so it's definitely going to be their own twist and and their own standard that you have to go through them and they'll, they'll be able to profit all the way through well, let me give you a little context, everybody in the who's listening here, a little context. So Chris posts this in the Discord, and I'm like, oh, man, I go. And it's like a, a landing page looks like it's like mint here. And in, the just, emblem, in the emblem Discord, yeah. Yeah, in the emblem of Discord. And so I go I go there, and I look at it, and then I'm like, and it says total in big numbers, total number inscribed. It's like 12,300. And I was like, oh, man, here we go, baby. We're <laughs> early, right? And so I'm like immediately like, okay, well, how do I start inscribing? How do I figure it out? And I'm like, oh, shoot, do I have to go to the creator studio? And then I come back to Chris. I'm like, bro, what's up with – and then it's like, no, it directs you to like a GitHub. And I was like, oh, I see what's going on here, man. No wonder there's only 12,000 inscribed. It's like you got to be – you know, you got to figure this thing out. And so that's where it ended for me. I was done. I've I've faded millions of dollars for this. <laughs> I literally, I remember with the top when Atomicals came out, I opened up the command center and was trying to go through GitHub, trying to figure out how to inscribe this stuff. And I even messaged uh, the guy who created Atomicals. I forgot what his name was, and asked him to like direct it to me. And I was like, I literally can't figure this shit out. I'm way too dumb for this. <laughs> now, now Atomicals and Adam is at two hundred fifty million dollar market cap. I'm just yeah. like Jesus Christ. I like, like, when I feel it was like ten thousand dollar market cap. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Adam trying to inscribe ordinals, literally Bitcoin ordinals, when it was literally <laughs> sub ten. He was like the first person there trying to figure it out. <laughs> oh, the massive pain. the massive misses, man. But uh, yeah, it's incredible, man. Well, it's it, that'll be interesting development to follow on Solana um, because now there's two inscription standards, which is you know kind of what Bitcoin is going through. Um, they don't they have one inscription standard, but or I guess there's multiple, right? You have Atom, you have BRC or CBRC twenty, BRC one hundred, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, so Solana, I guess, is going to be the second through the door in terms of blockchains to get multiple inscription ecosystem types. It, it was a. Uh every chain was kind of breaking through the data processing and Solana actually held up pretty well considering 
all things, you know, that it usually has a little bit of issues uh, looking back to the last year, but there was actually no issues at all with any of the current uh, previous inscription standards. So I think that this one would be even smoother and uh, definitely, definitely something to look out for. I'm just yeah. wondering like, what, what would be the advantage or is there no advantage to, you know, thinking of it as like a Solana, you know, SRC 20 type standard when you can already, as far as I know, do, you know, shitcoins on Solana, what's the, I'm sure people are going to do it anyway, but is there kind of an advantage? Or I think that the, the mostly the selling point that they're going for and just in general broadly is, is that it's fully on chain and fully yeah, the on chain NFT aspect of it. Always. Yes. And, so, yeah. and so that that's pretty compelling for sure. And Adam definitely good name with the layer one plus that's, it's a banger. <laughs> Yeah. I think we might be hearing a lot more of that. Yeah, it is. That is a really good name. Uh, you know, I, I posted this tweet like a little while ago talking about just kind of like the emerging uh, inscription ecosystems and in my just my kind of perspective, what is what what has credibility and what is kind of just more of just copy pasta, throwing things at the wall. Um, I, for proof of work chains, inscriptions 100% make sense, right? That's the only way really to add NFTs and fungible tokens to these proof of work chains. When it comes to proof of stake chains, right? They have smart contracts, which is you know vastly superior than this kind of indexing situation that is built on you know popsicle sticks and and bubble gum. <laughs> it's really, it's really, really like the fact that order the fact Bitcoin Arnold's has not imploded was really surprised me. Like it was. Yeah. It, it is pieced together, you know, pretty heavily. Well, now now it has some firm support, but still, you know, still in my opinion, not anything close to what smart contracts can really provide. But you know, we're getting there, right? It's just like the early Ethereum days with smart contracts is also just as clunky. For sure. But in terms of proof of stake chains, um, you know, I pulled up here the inscription coin market leaders and I posted this. This is the first time I'd posted in two weeks about just the update. The top four has changed, right? You have Ordi, so Bitcoin Ordinals. Atomicals has moved into number two. And then the next two are Ethscriptions. Um, ETHS is a $192 million market cap. And then Sol, Sol's um, is a $72 million market cap for Solana Inscriptions, the first one that we had mentioned. And I, I think really what's happening here is just these chains have just massive market caps. And so there's just a lot of liquidity kind of slushing around. Um, for users to go speculate on different type of things. Because when you look down this chart, right, at the bottom, you have Litecoin ordinals, which we'll, we'll get into that. I have some thoughts on that later, right? You have like Cosmos, um, which is at the bottom at 2.1 million, um, Stacks, which is emerging, Ton and Polygon. And so a lot of these are kind of just like, right, all these proof of stake chains are all down at the bottom outside of Ethereum and Solana, because those two just have, you know, 100 billion plus market caps. I don't know what Solana is yeah. now. I think it's over. It's kind of surprising that Tron number. I didn't know they, well, I have no idea what's going on on Tron, but, um, you know, Tron's got a lot of money on it, right? Um, that's kind of surprising. It's, it's at that kind of super low level, obviously never caught on with like the core people over there. Whoever's using, do I have any Tron? What are, what are Tron people called? Oh, guys. Tron is a, is a really big, big uh, platform for Asian people yep. and for corporates, even since such a long time ago, even before smart contracts. Sure. Like, uh, I'm in crypto since 2012. And since the beginning, Tron has been introduced into corporate business. For example, if you take Binance, that was the first 
uh, incorporate, to incorporate transfers on USDT. And yep. most of the volume of USDT token is on the Tron blockchain. Yeah, so it's interesting that that there's so. I mean, I know a lot yeah, of people use it for like a lot more. Yeah, I would think it would be a lot more considering the the amount of money on Tron. But maybe you know, it's it's low payment, it's cheap payments and stuff. Yeah, it's low. Yeah, it's low payments. It's corporate payment, so it's like uh, it's not used. It's professional use in crypto. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Maybe we should yeah. get some Tron, man. I, I think that. that's probably, I mean, if you're looking at this chart, right? So you have the top four is Bitcoin ordinals, atomicals, um, the the block word is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mute your mic because you got some static in the background, um, right? Ethereum and Solana, number five, dude, that's the conversation we had yesterday. Um, NAT um, on the tap protocols jumped to number five. It's jumped uh, over stamps and everything. And that $65 million number is... Uh, for me, trying to do math with 35 quadrillion to trillion tokens divided by the whatever the listing price is, the math is hard of these. There's no, there was no market cap quoted for this, so I had to really kind of figure it out on my own. So I'm, I'm pretty sure it's around that number. Uh, stamps, right? So that's another proof of stake chain or proof of work chain. Is that which is interesting because that's not even the first one, right? It's interesting that yeah. um, here we have an example of one that wasn't the first. But people just connect with it and they figure that it's the first beat or whatever. They just are like, oh, it's the one for stamps. Um, yeah, because Kevin's not even, yeah, Kevin's obviously in number two place. It is a good point. I think this is just showing that uh, users who are trying to store value, they want something familiar um, mm -hmm. and that's easily identifiable, right? Kevin, that could be any chain, but stamp makes sense just as like already for Bitcoin ordinals, atomicals, right? Souls, it, it all is like, Similar. You're talking, about You're talking about the stamp stuff? Yeah. So the, the SRC20, uh, the very yeah. first one on stamps was actually yeah, the very first to incorporate in different way uh, inscriptions. It's into the transaction itself instead of the upwritten function, I guess. It's just a different way of storing the information into the blockchain. Yeah. And, uh, let's just yeah. say, right, it's, it's a better way. It's the best way. Yeah, yeah, it's the best way. It's the most direct way. Uh, it's the it. most permanent. It's it's there for a thousand yeah. years. That's what stamps. Uh, even if the crazy laserized uh, delete ordinal from the blockchain, they will still have stamps. Yeah, All right. right Pump my yeah. stamp bags. Jake, right. Oh, by the way, I don't know if we talked about your blurry stamps. Got their own listing, man. Congrats on that, bro. Thank you. Yeah, I've been. Uh... So it was weird. So I, there's like eight of those. And uh, one of the, I thought I'd made them all one of one, but on Stamp Ninja, it says one out of a thousand for one of them. So I don't know if there's like something, there's some sort of mismatch there. Um, I got to figure that out. But um, yeah, I've, I've been talking to some people who are kind of interested in it. Um, there hasn't been that many um, sales for the sub kind of 1000 those are minor in the 100 to 300 range mm -hmm. um but i've been talking to some people to try to figure out something cool <laughs> i i don't think the time is now um probably you know maybe four or five months from now as we saw bitcoin ordinals are doing their auction um at sotheby's i would not be surprised to see some of these other ones on bitcoin also start making their sub sub 1000 stamps sub 1000 um digital objects that's what they call for for atomicals yep. even you know even maybe sub sub 
1,000 inscriptions or sub-100 inscriptions, I think, could make their way there. For those type of auction houses, right, what it does really, um, it adds credibility to the protocol from the outside. I don't think these auctions really uh, increase the value, per se, right? Like, when I... When I yeah, sold those, not seen that at all, right? Not at all. Yeah, it's more of a, a, a validation kind of thing. Um, credibility also it's it really helps you feel good. Yeah, yeah, it helps the right. It gives the community marketing material. Like when I sold those three moon cats at Sotheby's in 2021, they sold way below what the expected expected price was, and also you you start to realize that the majority of the buyers are all just crypto native people. It's not bringing anybody new in. It's just like, uh, see, we're now kind of. We're on. We're we're partnering with Web two or you know these traditional type of um, art dealers, and um, and uh, we're kind of making our way there. What do you think, Dogfather? Hey guys, what's up? What's up? <laughs> Just wanted to comment on the Sotheby's auction. Um, and you're hundred percent right, Jake. I mean, you you just get some more exposure, but those bring fresh eyes, right? So I I always check your my 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 X bubble which is always like full of cool ordinal stuff with what I do professionally on LinkedIn, where I have all these boring contacts and <laughs> yeah, people always hate like ordinals and it's like just, uh, you know, very bad artwork and, you know, the, the real art people that I follow there. So, you know, uh, having galleries and, and stuff like that. But once, uh, Sotheby's was uh, auctioning off ordinals, they cover that and they speak in, in high regards about uh, the collection, uh, you know. And um, so that, that's interesting. So you, you just reach completely different types of collectors. And uh, first, maybe just the crypto natives may buy. But in the, in the long run, you know, these things will also hang in some galleries. So oh, did we lose them? We lost you, bro. Uh-oh. That's okay. damn Lambo, man. I tell you, man, it's <laughs> never good to broadcast from your Lambo, bro. <laughs> Lambo, he's, he's always doing that. Um, you know, kind of going down the chart, right? So for Sotheby's, it's interesting. I mean, you know, just one last comment on it from my perspective. When I sold at Sotheby's, I had 3,000 followers. And then by the end of it, I had 6,000 6, followers. And it really gave me the springboard to kind of build a brand in the crypto space. And I think this is kind of what a lot of artists are as well. Um, so, but the, the, this auction experience, although this was their second ever crypto or NFT auction ever it from behind the scenes, it was quite, quite chaotic. Some, some people like, uh, Nate, Alex didn't even get paid for six months. Crazy man. Right. Crazy. So uh, I think they have come, come, uh, or they have fixed it. Also, the 20% buyer's premium, I think mm. they've cut that down to 10% now. But even then, right, it's like, why would I pay 10% for a buyer when I could go buy it for free or buy it with no fees on OpenSea, right? So um, it's more of, they're, they're starting now to get into this like unique aspect, like Kevin McCoy, um, right? One of the, the earliest NFT pioneers on Namecoin uh, created an ordinals and is auctioning it off there. Same with, um, I think his name's like Del, Del Cruz or Del, whatever, another ETH artist. There's a few of them that have never done ordinals that are auction or participating in this auction. So they're, I think they're getting back to what they are originally do is bringing things to market that you will not be able to find anywhere else. They were kind of lost in that transition for, for a little while. Yeah, I think it, it opens, you know, we're still waiting it for it to reach like 
the normies and it, it certainly has a re doesn't seem like it's done anything like that but it does actually add this layer of um i don't know respectability right that crypto natives like like we all want people to come into crypto right and so even like the etf like it just it adds layers of respectability and certainly sotheby's and christie's have kind of had that layer and you know, I, I saw a lot of people hating on, uh, I don't know if they did a Twitter space, those guys did a Twitter space if that happened already or whatever, but there was a ton of hate I was seeing on the timeline, mainly from counterparty people about yeah. those aren't, you know, those weren't the first, I don't, you know, whether or not people were saying they were the first Bitcoin NFTs or not, of course they're not. Um, but I saw a lot of hate on that timeline. But again, it just gets back to this point of like, I almost think it's like, it adds a layer of respectability for like ETH people to go over to ordinals, right? It's like, oh, Sotheby's over there now. Okay, now I feel like it's fully on the table that people does, you know, one of his everydays on ordinals. Like that's that's completely on the table now, um, mm -hmm. which is actually amazing. And it's great for the entire space and people who hate on, you know, ordinals because they're new or whatever. It's like, you're on the wrong side of history, man, period. Yeah, what's great with uh, ordinals and mostly on Bitcoin, that's the, the, the difference between Ethereum and NFTs and ordinals is like uh, the blockchain, the Bitcoin blockchain until now was like something only used for, uh, let's say, uh, counterparties and stuff like that. And now we have a consensus on Bitcoin on one side with the ETF and on the other side we have like something that everyone can play with. And that's very important and mostly in my research on Bitcoin, I always consider it as a time chain. It's a blockchain, it's a chain of blocks, but it's a time chain where everyone can have a look and everyone knows that the content inside this blockchain is uh, uh, original, you know? We have the same place, and we all look at the same place on the blockchain, the block itself, and we all look at the inscription inside of it. And so we all know that the content is legit, for example, from a sign address or something like this. And that's very important. And I think we are just at the beginning of inscription stuff. And I think that it will be used by corporations itself for securing data, securing, uh, for example, the first patents. For example, a patent on blockchain would be perfect place to, to deploy a patent first in the first place, because you know it's invisible. You know, you can get you can erase it, you can modify it. And so, yeah, I think the Bitcoin blockchain will grow, and we have a growth in other uh, departments, other categories of activities by the time, and we become the core of something bigger, you know, than the blockchain itself. Well, that and was we the kind of, that was the talking point this week from, uh, you know, BlackRock CEO was talking about this, uh, which I tweeted about and said, "Wow, this sounds like a uh, Bitcoin talk forum in 2013," because he was just talking about tokenizing everything the tokenization of assets and then this morning and i'm sure you guys saw on the timeline jamie diamond uh who's the whatever ceo of jp morgan uh exposed himself as not actually understanding what bitcoin is not understanding what blockchains are uh zero clue which was amazing to me if you guys haven't seen that uh go check out that video watch to the end because he literally exposes that he doesn't know what blockchains are which is incredible to see when you think of people of this sort of like level of understanding power and wealth that they would have a better, like deeper understanding. Um, I mean, he doesn't have like the, the most basic of understanding of what a blockchain is. Uh, it's incredible to see. 
And that video is rightly popping off this morning because it's it's hard to watch. It's incredible, man. I don't know if you saw it, Jake. Uh, no, but you know, it, it's interesting. So two points. Uh, one, JP Morgan actually has the largest uh, crypto division of all um, traditional uh, financial, um, I guess you'd say conglomerates. I think it's around 180 people on their crypto division and they built Onyx, which is the tokenization of uh, money markets. So taking like instrument or debt debt instruments and um, options and these different type of, um, I guess you say international financial products and trying to tokenize it on chain. I, it's almost kind of similar to what Emblem does, but just the traditional version of it. Um, so I, I think he's playing more of a game. I think he's completely aware of what's going on and he's just playing dumb. Uh, more than anything. Um, but second here, and you know, this is putting a little bit more of like a tinfoil hat on. I don't know if you saw on BlackRock's website, they're taking applications for Bitcoin core developers. <laughs> Bro, Luke Jazz Jr.'s got himself a job, baby. <laughs> so here, right, obviously Bitcoin core developer. Um, so it, it's either BlackRock wants to sponsor somebody or they're trying to essentially fork Bitcoin and create their own, um, BlackRock Bitcoin or whatever. Um, so there could be something here, you know, or maybe they're all in cahoots with each other, all these financial, um, market leaders. Bro, they should give a call to Jay, uh, uh right, man. <laughs> yeah, I did want to ask Chris, Chris has uh, a much, you know, more firm understanding of, of traditional markets and, and movements. What are your thoughts between Jamie Dimon and BlackRock now offering Bitcoin developer positions or core developers? Yeah. I mean, first of all, it is, a, I saw the video with Jamie Dimon. I have to agree that I don't know how someone can play so dumb because it seems so authentic. This guy is incredible. There's no way the guy has no idea what's going on. Bro, he said 20 million. First, he said 20 million Bitcoins <laughs> is the max. Then he called him Satoshi. He's so compromised. It's like incredible. But I mean, he is so convincing that it's got, you know, it's a real head scratcher that you're like, wow. It's literally like <laughs> I've never had anybody explain to me how, how Satoshi can't just come Literally, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, just incredible performance art, it seems. It's almost hard to believe that that isn't real, but just knowing that there's no way that that's even possible for him to be that in the dark, I, there's just no way. Um, but people like Fidelity, you know, they have had contact with Bitcoin core developers since like 2016, 2015. They've been mining Bitcoin. They've been super involved in the ecosystem. Anyone that has that much money, when they get involved with something, they do the deepest research that, you know, is known to man. And they get in, basically in touch with everybody that's in charge. Same with like, look at how Sailor came on to, to the scene. You know, he started investing a bunch of money and then he literally tapped every resource within the ecosystem, has had countless meetings with individual core developers, everything like that. So these people are way deeper in the ecosystem in general than any any crypto natives would ever want to admit. That's just kind of how how the, the spectrum works. And so JP Morgan has been involved in, in a long time. Like Jake said, you know, they have all of this, you know, bravado on the surface, but then they have the biggest crypto division of anyone on Wall Street. I mean, when you run a financial center that that large, you you have your ears to the ground and you know exactly what's happening, regardless of what you make it seem to mainstream media and things like that. Yeah, it is it's a little bit of a head scratcher. I think there's there's something going on that we're just probably not aware of. Probably my my speculation would be that they want to create their own, they want to fork Bitcoin or try to take consensus control of it. 
but I don't know, to be determined. $10, $10 billion in ETF flow over the last four or five days is it just trounces any other ETF um opening in history. I think it was really? like two or three times. I think it was like three three it's, three it's definitely good flows. Yeah. Um, a lot of it is that flows out of GBTC into the cheaper products. I think right. that, that was like four or six billion of the 10 billion. But still, I think that they said that the highest in basically within the previous year of like regular flows was like 450 million or something like that for, for basically newer ETFs. So even with the negative GBT flows, you're still looking at like four to six billion, which is a massive number. Just absolutely trouncing it. But in other news, um, you know, speaking of still in the Bitcoin ecosystem and world, uh, I think Counterparty might have, you know, some sort of revival here. I don't know if you guys heard, but two of the original uh, creators of three of Counterparty are returning to the protocol to maintain it with uh, Joe Looney and JP Jansen. Uh, Shannon, uh, the founder of Emblem, was originally on that. Um, he decided to uh, pass on the opportunity just because of the workload at Emblem um, and the 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 work required to maintain it um, was just not satisfactory to us being able to move forward. But you know, moving moving and talking about Counterparty, that was a it was a been a wild wild um, month. And you know, I was actually lucky. I hung out with J Dog. Um, on Saturday, he was. Oh, in bro, Vegas. give us the deal, man. How was it? How was that party, man? I was. It was pretty cool. You know, it was a. It was a small group. It was like seven of us. Um, I ended up. So Sean Lear, I'd met before. I was. Um, who's a rare Pepe scientist? I spoke with him on a, on a panel at NFT NYC last year. So that's when I got to meet him in person. He's obviously not an anon either. J Dog. J Dog was with his girl. Uh, I got to meet Crypto Chainer, who's the largest Pepe holder. Um, and then there was a few other, um, uh, just Pepe kind of OGs or OG kind of counterparty guys. Uh, I ended up meeting up with them at Omnia nightclub and, um, they, they got a table and we were out there whiling until I think I left at like three in the morning. <laughs> Those guys got lost at the end of the night. It was like two 30. I was literally the only person at the table just <laughs> hanging out with a bunch of chicks I invited to the table because <laughs> they disappeared on me, dude. I don't know what happened. They went, they went to go, went to go hunting and, uh, everyone was, everyone was gone. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I ended up one of my other buddies, but I used to work at Omnia, right? So before I went crypto full-time in 2020, I opened up Omnia nightclub from 2015 to 2020. So I knew the entire staff there. So I was just shooting the shit with a bunch of them, but it was a good time. J, uh, me and J-Dog actually got to talk for, you know, 20, 30 minutes. And he really explained in detail kind of his thought behind um, everything that had happened here, which is summarized in Joe Looney's post. Um, but the whole idea and the, the issue is that uh, J Dog um, believes that, um, and this is under his own opinion, that stamps and SRC20 are spam to counterparty. And I think at the core of it, he believes that uh, there should not be a token layer on top of another token layer. Is mm -hmm. kind of, I think, what the core idea is. Which, you know, in terms of like creating more efficient ecosystems, that that makes complete sense. Right, counterparty is a token layer, so he doesn't believe you should put more tokens, right, like stamps or SRC20 on top of it, because it causes this idea of like UTXO bloat, and you know the the performance um, cannot is not as efficient as what it could be. So what he did is he removed stamps. Um, first, he did SRC20 back in summer, but then removed stamps from 
Counterparty, or not from Counterparty, from X-Chain, which is the ex- the main explorer. It was a central kind of authority, right? Everyone used X-Chain over the last seven years. JDog also ran Free Wallet, which was the wallet everyone used for Counterparty assets. He censored um, stamps from both of those, and it caused chaos. And ultimately, what happened here was that when he removed it, he then... Uh, activated a different version of Counterparty, which created a fork. And this actually caused, you know, a lot of issues um, where now that there's a fork, there's two different consensus. um, And this had never happened. I don't think this had happened in Counterparty in a long time. They, very deep discussion, and I didn't go through it, but from what I hear in the Counterparty Discord or Telegram chat, it was um, quite contentious. There was a lot of um, animosity that was there. Ultimately, JDog then uh, rebooted X-Chain to the current state, and so the fork was averted. But, you know, with this being said, right, X-Chain and Free Wallet is a private, you know, uh, application. He created these. He's been maintaining it. You know, he's been the central kind of infrastructure provider for Counterparty for five or so years, maybe six This sparked Robbie, who's a co-founder of... um, Counterparty, and he had, and um, I think the other guy's name Adam. is is Adam. They both returned um, to be signers on Counterparty on the repo with with uh, Joe Looney and JP Jansen, who are very respected people in the community. Um, and so I actually reached out to Adam to see if we could get him on the show um, to come in and um, and explain everything that happened. I think the big question is like, why did they disappear for so many years and why did they leave? It looks like they started a new project called Symbiont. Symbiont. Uh, so I'm hoping he'd come by, but he made a post today. It looks like they're already testing this. He's already working on it. He said, adding some juicy tests to Counterparty and it's nightly circle client, I think is a client. He said he's going to reparse the whole network history and um, an in-memory database with rollbacks to random blocks and check that consensus hashes always agree. So it looks like, you know, he's already moving forward on this. JDog, at, JDog was like the sole repo controller of it. So he handed it off. So what was chaos is now, you know, I think a massive benefit to Counterparty. The two original creators are now co- are now signers on the repo you have two of the most respected people in the community are signers it's a little bit more decentralized and uh, you know maybe this can be the the resurgence of counterparty there's a lot of potential there in my opinion um right and this is again my opinion i think if stamps and and src never left i think counterparty would be competing with ordinals as a top map program right it would have rare pepe spells of genesis fake rares it'd have a fungible token ecosystem it would have stamps it would have SRC20, it would have XEP. I think it'd be right up there with Ordinals competing in a multi-billion dollar market cap. So it's really unfortunate that that happened. I actually posted um, about the idea of SRC20 returning to a counterparty and Mike shut that down immediately and actually said it's probably likely that stamps will actually leave counterparty um, because they're doing, it's, it's a native method. So with SRC20, I didn't even know this. They're, he said, doing it raw they're raw dogging it they're just going straight to the chain there's no there's no intermediate protocol that they're integrating with they're just doing it straight and so i think with stamps might eventually leave counterparty as well but to me i think you know washing out the old which is not bad j-dog is much respected you have so much respect for that guy 
you know, I don't agree with the, the spam idea. And he knows it. We talked about this as well. And he was very appreciative of myself and Adam helping him, you know, with the moderation. A lot of these developers, they don't like, you know, being in, they don't like being on spot because ultimately most people just have negative things to say to devs. It's generally not, not, not much positivity. Yeah, it's all problems, man. <laughs> and, I, and I know Adam, uh, you hosted a spaces or you, you moderated a space with J-Dog and now J-Dog gets to move on and go do BTNS, which is, which is cool, right? So it seems like it's now a win, win, win. Um, after kind of that chaos that ensued, but you know, give us a little bit of that recap of the. I think it was last Thursday, maybe yep. or Wednesday of the hour or two hour long spaces with J Dog. Yeah, I mean, it was great that he got to do that. He wanted to do an AMA, right, where people could, you know, let their feelings know and let him respond, right. And I think at the core, uh, he felt like he needed to do something to force change. And I think the fork was actually that was was actually pr a pretty smart way, looking back on it, to force these developers to stand up and basically protect their assets, right? So Joe and JP, obviously huge vested interest in the success of Counterparty. Um, they had to step up and they definitely, you know, I'm not going to speak for them, but they were not happy as most holders weren't happy. They weren't happy with this, right? It potentially screws with their stuff. And uh, so weren't happy with J Dog, and mo uh, most people were not happy with what J Dog did. But look, I, I if you understand anything, you know that, bro. If nobody's listening to you for six months, nine months, this is and, years in this case, and, and nobody's taking action, and everything's on you, and it's like, well, you know, am I going to do this for another six months, eight months? And he he pressed, he pushed, he pushed go on this as a way to force change and he, he got that change. And so, you know, I don't fault him for it. Cause in the end of the day, uh, he, he felt like he had to get out from under this thing, which he did. Um, and obviously founders came back, like all this motion happened because he did that fork and people were like fork emergency <laughs> and it was right. And so I, I, on his part, I say, well played because he got that action that he wanted. Um, got a lot of hate for it, but people will, will forget that over time and, and that'll soften. And uh, everybody will appreciate the years of, you know, sacrifice he put into it. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm with you, man. It was it, the whole stamps thing was actually for me, a, a, just a giant missed opportunity for counterparty. This was a, a way of counterparty to basically put its, you know, a new flag in the ground as like, we're not only the old dogs, but here we are with this new thing. And it's even you know, the better than ordinals narrative, unprunable, all that sort of stuff is actually really strong narrative. And um, unfortunately, that's been kind of washed away under this like spam narrative that the reality is we probably should, and we've talked about this a bit in the telegrams and stuff. We shouldn't be talking about whether or not named assets should have a fee. We should be talking about whether named assets should have a fee. <laughs> Maybe we should be getting rid of all the fees. Why is counterparty not you know, uh, competing on a level playing field where there are no fees. You simply are paying the Bitcoin fee to inscribe or or write the transaction, right? Um, so anyway, it's brought up this this idea, but you know, counterparty in a lot of ways, a lot of the people in the community are still to talk to stuck to this idea, which frankly is outdated and not current, right? I mean, it was the their best guess at the way forward to prevent kind of people just minting everything, but we all know it didn't prevent anybody from minting anything. Like we know you and I, JP Jansen has, 
you know, 5,000 named assets, right? The 50 cent fee didn't prevent anybody from doing anything. And to, to put a new 50 cent fee on, on numbered assets or whatever, um, just does not seem to, to match current market conditions. Um, so we'll see how it goes is going forward. You know, your assets are safe. Everything's okay. But, uh, it was a big kerfuffle and, uh, Unfortunately, I think counterparty suffered for it. Jay, uh, dog father, what's up, man? Another dog, not J dog, but dog father. <laughs> the other dog. Uh, yeah, with, with, this other dog. Um, yeah, with this this whole XCP discussion, I mean, stamps were pretty smart in 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 a sense that they 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 wanted to have numerical assets because they wanted to avoid XCP because they knew if they say it's a pure Bitcoin play, they are closer to ordinals, right? Yep. And um, which was smart. They had a lot of traction. And um, I mean, you, you see the sales. Uh, so, so people liked it. And, um, you know, this, this old school counterparty stuff, I don't know whether they were envious or, or whatnot, but at least they, they didn't have the same bags they had with their rep puppies and all the other stuff. So it, it was like kind of like a competitor and, um, you know, you, they had like the XCP bags and, um, honestly, this was the, one of the selling propositions for XCP. Look, uh, we are always burning supply because if you want to do a token, a name token or a sub asset, or if you want to do a dividend, then you have to burn some XCP. So if you have a huge XCP bag, you like the current state, um, while all the others um, don't, right? And, and that was, I think, uh, one of the main of one of the main reasons uh, of of this, uh, you know, clash. I would say. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Like like old old stakeholders versus new users, something like that. Yeah, that's why you know, project. Uh, we are we are an upcoming crypto project. We aim to make create an event. Overseas on a cruise ship, and first of the, of its kind, like crypto event on the sea. And to do so, we have to make a, an NFT collection, but we won't make it classical. We want to be the first NFT collection to have real life utility. So, for example, this NFT will give you access to a community that will give you access to the ship itself. So, for so on board to have a cabin, you will have to have your NFT with you. And we want to make something. Wait, are you saying you're the first to provide a utility, dude? <laughs> no, not utility. Uh, I mean, or ship, I'm the first to provide a ship utility. The collection, the collection itself, we are at least, I mean, when it's in its value, the first initial value of the collection will be at least the value of cabin. <laughs> okay, hey, that's good, man. <laughs> at least after the market will decide. I will not have no power on it. I don't have to have any, any hand on the system. I just want to create an initiative where we can say, okay, this thing is huge. We don't have the amount of money. Let's create a kind of DAO with NFTs and fund it and do the, and do the, and do the business, you know? We want to do it this way. And uh, we aim to, to, to create something like uh, more like gathering, like not like a convention where people in one side, you have people, you know, the guests who will come, and in the other side, you have the professionals that will sell. And we all want to do something in another way, uh, in the sense that, like, it will be more like gathering of communities, like music, crypto, and gaming, 
together for five days. Cool, man. Uh, interesting project there. I'm going to get back to the, the inscription talk here for a second, though. Um, so Counterparty will be, oh, might be back in the, the forefront, might be back in the center. Um, when you look at the chart that I'd posted all the way down at the very bottom, that is just like absolutely imploded is uh, Litecoin Ordinals, <laughs> which is where we um, where we we helped, right? Litecoin Ordinals was the second ordinal ecosystem. And uh, what did you say? It was a year ago almost, right? Now almost. It was like February 24th, I think, is what the, the chart was, or maybe even a little bit earlier. It came a few days before Doginals was created. And uh, Light is now at $2 million market cap. The whole system's imploded. You know, a lot of. What did it get up to? What was it? What was its peak? I think it was around 10 million. Okay. Um, th and that was the issue with the ecosystem right now is you've had two or three different marketplaces pop up. They've all imploded. One of them rugged. There was like two different indexers. Gate is using one indexer. Lightscribe, which is the wallet, hasn't been maintaining their wallet. You can't write transfer inscriptions out of the wallet. It's just like it's a fucking shit show. And so there was a new wallet that had popped up called LightX, which is from BitX, which, again, a, a little bit sketchy. BitX acquired ohms ohms was a rug on brc20 there was some sketchy stuff there you know i took the chance here because litecoin ordinals is a risk and i ended up getting wallet trained um i ended up losing 10 ltc i woke up on sunday morning and i'd noticed a few to one transaction that had transferred 10 ltc out of my wallet like 10 and a half and it happened before i was even awake so i was trying to figure out what what the hell was really going on here as I, I hit up Luke, right? Luke's our, one of our favorite GigaChat devs who just understands this stuff. I reached out to him and I said, hey, can you help me figure out what the hell's going on here? And we ended up finding out 18 other people were, were also drained. And so we believe, and we reached out to BitX, and BitX also clarified that you know it is likely from their, that wallet um, yep. that it happened. From some people in the comments, they had said, it's likely because I imported my seed phrase into BitX. They said it's likely that with some of these wallet extensions, if they don't obfuscate or encrypt it correctly, then people have the ability to just have your seed phrase. And so we think this is likely what happened. That's I'm even, still waiting. How did that even happen? I don't know. I'm. And I'm. They're not on your computer, though, right? No. I guess it has to do something with like local storage or some sort of web storage or putting it to the cloud or I, I don't know, it's a little bit above my head, but yeah. I'm waiting for them to, to come out and specifically identify what the issue was. Yep. So I lost that. It's still luckily the right. And it, it was a tough situation. Could have been worse. That's just, this is not a second time I've been wallet, wallet drained before. Um, so good thing I practiced, you know, decent wallet security to where, you know, the first, the first one was a little bit larger, but not nothing that's like life changing. And this one's a smaller scale, right? About a thousand dollars. It's still nothing to scoff at, but it's like when you see some of these other you know, wallet drains where people lose hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars, right? That's like something to uh, happen. I had the first wallet drain had 24 mooncats drained to me. It was like 10, 15 grand in value, right? That's where that one hurts. It still hurts, but it's still, still not my biggest rug in this space, right? I've sure. still been rugged multiple times before that. Um, it's unfortunate, but. That's kind of, you know, you got to be on the frontier. I was talking with Swapna, who's our, who's our newest dev. I'm sure you guys didn't see that announcement. Emblem hired first Chris was our, our 
fifth team member. And then Swapna, senior engineer from Coinbase for five years, joined the team. And we were just kind of discussing what had happened. And she's like, you know, even, you know, it's, it's unfortunate these situations happen, but if you want to be on the frontier innovation, right, you got to, you got to participate in these kind of ecosystems, but you just got to practice wallet security yeah. um, when you're doing this. So, you know, I'm setting up additional measures to make sure I thought I was completely there. Uh, maybe now I'm going to have to set up. Is another there a way to be a completely there, bro? Other than yeah. have 800,000 wallets. Like, <laughs> right. I tweeted on somebody tweeted out today. He's like, I'm, I spent the weekend doing wallet security. And I'm about to kill myself because it's so <laughs> ridiculous. I have 875 wallets on 45 chains. What am I doing? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's crazy, man. Honestly, we're, we're fortunate. Like, I've been rugged. You've been rugged. I haven't had a wallet, wallet drainer incident yet. Thank God. Knock on wood. But, you know, it's only a matter of time, right? It's like I was thinking of doing the Litecoin thing. And I'm like, honestly, I think Luke gave out to anybody who had a Litecoin ordinal or whatever, a Moonbird, if you had something, he was gonna give you, you know, LTC, the first token, right? And he was like, just go to, here's the GitHub, download the wallet. And I was like, I'm gonna pass on this one. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, I'm just gonna pass on it because I don't want like this risk of whatever this is. Like, I'm just not, it's not for me, right? I'm willing to pass on this because I just don't feel comfortable you know, on any of my 18 computers downloading this stuff. Like I'm just, I'm out, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. Tim Shell says, what's up guys. Who's on the live stream. What's up, bro. Long time. No talk. I got one more thing and then I'll call on you, Jimmy. Um, so in the light of this three days later, and just, of, of course, with just absolute reckless abandoned, um, <laughs> chicken market just popped up, which looks like doggy market, but for Litecoin ordinals, I went ahead and plugged plugged into it. It's like, let me plug my main wallet in here. See right. what happens. Oh, we into it. Uh, there's a few listings. Uh, dog doggy market confirmed this is not them, although it is the exact same interface as doggy market. So it looks like somebody forked doggy market somehow and then created one for Litecoin ordinals. There's minimal listings here. Um, I did list a few of my here we go again uh, ordinals. This is a sub one k collection. Um, that I inscribed. I uh, also got Lizard Lounge listed, which is another sub 1K that I had inscribed, but nothing's listed. I don't think there's actually been a sale here. Uh, somebody also just notifies me that in order to to delist uh, to delist an asset, you have to sell it to yourself. So, <laughs> it's, it's just like, dude, Litecoin Ordinal is just this, Bro. this the the craziest ecosystem, dude. Just absolute implosion on every corner, but. I feel like if to me though, right, proof of proof of work chains, no NFTs beforehand, there's still five billion dollars on this chain. Right. I'm, right. I'm not gonna let this go because whenever there is an efficient marketplace, it's going to pop. There's people just sitting on massive amounts of Litecoin. And if you compare it to, right, we we're discussing at the very beginning, the reason why uh if ETH inscriptions and Solana inscriptions coins are now number three and four is probably just because there's a shitload of money just sitting there, right? for people to speculate. Litecoin's still in the top 25, still there with a lot of value. Still opportunity for any of these builders to figure it out, but Jesus Christ, it is <laughs> the most cursed ordinal ecosystem that exists out there. Hopefully one day this will really be figured out. Uh, what's up, Jimmy? Hey, what's up, guys? What's up? Uh, yeah, like, you know, I, I learned quite a bit about what was going on because it was, it was hard to keep up. 
uh, with what the hell was going on on Counterparty through secondhand knowledge. I had, I don't know if you know Bobby Zoo trying to explain things to me in rooms. And, uh, you know, uh, just for, you know, people have no idea, I guess, in the general community, I'm sure you guys have no idea who the hell I am. Uh, but I don't know if you remember the Ghostface Killer Drop uh, when we did, you know, that we essentially brought Wu-Tang Clan to Counterparty, right? And it was a very successful drop. Um, and, you know, I'm one of those guys that bought J-Dog's token back in 2021. And, you know, everybody was sort of bullish on the future of Counterparty. And, and I don't know, man, I feel like I got rugged. <laughs> you know, I, still got, I, still, I looked at my goddamn free wallet. I still got the J-Dog token, right? <laughs> you know, and, and I feel like I got rugged because, you know, I was sold on, you know, the I was sold on Bitcoin culture. I was sold on just so many things. I mean, I wouldn't even speak to Ghostface Killer to, to do an original verse to work with Rare Pepe if I wasn't sold on it. And I was sold on it. And I still believe in, in Counterparty, but, you know, I, I sort of, you know, I'm sort of confused by one or two individuals having this much control over an entire ecosystem. Right, yep. and how ten, like how untenable that is. <laughs> uh, you know, like what are your thoughts on like the future of Counterparty? Is there any future at all? Like, yeah, are we complete, like somebody dies, can, <laughs> I feel like if Day Dog has a heart attack, I'm wrecked all over. Yeah, no, I mean, look, man, your, your thoughts are, and um, that that idea is a lot of people were feeling that right when the two main the main explorer and the main wallet goes down. You're like, what's going on? This is over. Like, and but I think that the thing to put in context is the same thing could happen on Ethereum, right? If MetaMask turned off tomorrow, MetaMask is owned by a private company, and um, you know, the Explorer turned off tomorrow on 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 ETH. That's a private company. Uh, we'd all be like, what's going on? Oh my God, is ETH broken? Right. Same thing just happened with JDog, right? JDog owns Xchain. JDog owns Free Wallet. So the same thing happened. Um, and it's it's discombobulating and it's scary and stuff. And, and everybody understands why that's scary. But the, the underlying tokens in the chain and everything is fine. But I do agree with you. And I think JDog moving and basically pulling away from Counterparty, where now four people are involved as the kind of the core devs, uh, it still feels like, wow, that doesn't feel robust enough. Um, but just to put in perspective, Bitcoin like had the same deal in 2013, 14, and 15. Like it was, you know, five, six guys which were basically running Bitcoin. And it still is very much similar today. And there's there's a lot more robustness because there's you know thousands or millions of people on Twitter talking about it, and there are hundreds or thousands of devs who have a vested interest in it. So it's it's much more robust than it previously was, but don't kid yourself like Bitcoin in 13 and 14 was literally a handful of guys running that whole thing. So, um, you know, put some solace in, in counterparty that it really only takes a couple guys to run these things. Um, so that's kind of my viewpoint on it. Yeah. I mean, you look at some of the, like, look at ordinals, right? When we talked with Casey before totally. mainnet and the early days of ordinals, it was literally just Casey there yeah. running the entire thing this is it's a pretty pretty common but jdog had expressed for years think about it he's been running he's been running counterparty essentially as the lead maintainer for 
five or six years, and he's been expressing for five or six years that other people need to come in and build an ecosystem, and no one ever came. Yeah. So he had to he had to for, force his hand to get change, and and it happened. Yep. Yeah. Does that make you feel better, Jimmy, or you're still like this is bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, do I have to start using another wallet? Like, what, what's going on here? Uh, do I have to wait until, you know, more more guys build, you know, explorers and, and, and stuff like that? Um, I mean, is that even happening uh, right now? So yeah. building a counterparty is a little bit tough. Yeah, you could use uh, XCP Ninja, which also runs Stamped Ninja. Um, I also think Free Wallet and X-Chain is back up um, using the current um current counterparty f- client so there's no fork anymore so you could go back and use free wallet okay. and stuff now yeah I, yeah I just saw this download button to like download a new version and i was scared so i didn't want to click the button so i could do that safely. if you open your old version it should say update you should be able to update from your old version as well yep got it all right your assets are safe, my friend. <laughs> but it is it's a little scary learning how just I mean look tech is fragile at the at the end of the day. Uh, but vested interests, and what we saw it here with Counterparty, vested interests, people with literally millions of dollars in Counterparty assets, get people, you know, when somebody steps away, like other people step in because there are aligned incentives. So it's it's the weakness, but it's also the power of blockchains that people will step up because people have vested interests in this stuff working, you know, so <laughs> it's, but it's scary, yeah. Yeah, build, building support for counterparty is tough too because I do not believe I could be wrong, but I do not believe PSBTs work with counterparty because it's not native Bitcoin. Yep. So that's this is where the dispensaries are created, right? So it makes a very uh, the the trading environment is is has a lot of friction. So this is why a lot of people use Emblem because it helps reduce that friction. So hopefully when it, once we deploy on ordinals, right, I would I suspect a lot of Pepe's will begin using ordinal vaults to then just go trade natively on Bitcoin. Because then you could do PSBTs um, with, with rare Pepe's and stuff like that and go trade natively. Um, so it is a little bit of a, a predicament there. What's up, Dogfather? I mean, you also have to say that, I mean, the DEX on Counterparty was very innovative. I mean, you could do stuff you couldn't do on OpenSea or, you know, later it was Blur. Uh, for a long time, like uh, NFT to NFT swaps and stuff like that. Um, it, it was just like people didn't like the the UX or the experience. So nobody really wanted to download. I mean, few people wanted to download the app uh, because it was mostly on desktop and, you know, uh, but but the functionalities are, are not that bad. And, and even, I mean, dispensers are very kind of like obscure to many. But it's an extremely efficient instrument. I mean, for in particular, if it's not like the higher value assets, but it's just different to everything you have on ETH. And people hate to read five minutes and try it out. Yeah, it is a it is a super cool, cool, cool project. Well, I think today, due to fun market talk, there was a few things else I wanted to get into. Uh, maybe another conversation. I did post the other day about uh, the trade-offs of ordinals, ordinals and ETH NFTs. I said, uh, I don't know if you saw that, but it caused a There's lot of some responses to it. I think your take's pretty close, but you yeah, know, people Joe, Joe Looney was very upset. Um, ordinal, uh, ordinals wallet guys were very upset. Uh, I basically said, you know, the the basic premise, and obviously this is an oversimplified version, but. The, the idea, the trade-offs between ETH NFTs and ordinals is this. 
ETH NFTs, your data, right? The image is off chain. It's hosted on IPFS, but the token, the ownership layer, the token is on chain. The with Bitcoin ordinals, the data is on chain, right? You're inscribing data into the Bitcoin blockchain, but you're not actually inscribing it into a Satoshi, like a lot of people say that it's not true. You're yeah. using the Satoshi basically as a receipt to say that this Satoshi owns or quote unquote owns to ordinal theory this data that's been inscribed onto Bitcoin. So I said, the ownership layer of ordinals is off chain. And um, a lot of people got really upset of me pointing that out because, you know, she's in the wallet, Jake. (laughs) You're like, ordinals are fully on chain. I'm like, no, it's not. Not, It's just not simply true. You know, I know Leonidas likes to LARP and do it, but we even had, last time we had Leo on, he even said that that same thing. Yeah, it's just not fully on chain. But he does, but, you know, agreed upon um the pointer from that satoshi to that data is agreed upon consensus that's it it's not there's nothing on chain that points those to that links those together but yeah but the satoshi is on chain though i do get that the satoshi is on chain but if the indexers disappeared you would not no one would have any idea of what satoshi owns what data or or is the receipt for it no no idea I do hope, and I do, I do hope one day, and I think this could happen, that ordinals will be merged into Bitcoin Core, and then it will be fully on chain, right? The whole idea of being fully on chain is you should you're gonna you should be able to reconstruct the ownership and data with just the information that exists on chain, and that is not fully there. I do hope one day that that actually does. I think the best you could actually probably get to fully on chain um nfts was actually stamps on counterparty to be completely honest right <laughs> the image is embedded into the utxo the token of, of counterparty is fully on chain i to me that was like the, the closest you'd get but um if if uh, stamps are gonna leave then i don't know who knows maybe stamps raw is also a, a good possibility as well but um you know a debate for another day because no, it's be- literally it's the nft debate all over again man here it's we go again when i got debate. when i saw when i read joe's response i was like here we go again bro <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing in historical nft community right it was the same thing yeah. the reason why is i'm familiar right the whole on-chain generative thing with mooncats i've gone through this debate for years already at this point in time Dogfather, give us one last opinion before we close it up yeah, I mean, with counterparty, it's also not just the pure Bitcoin node. You also need a counterparty federated server and then a special wallet. So, I mean, you, you could say, isn't that so much different from an indexer and, you know, a dedicated ordinance wallet? So it's, it's, it's neither, you know, pure Bitcoin there as well. So you need a, a, a few, you know, bells and whistles to actually access your, your counterparty assets. Yep. That is a that is a very valid point. Maybe maybe Rod Dog stamps when they leave counterparty is the uh, the most on chain there. That would be a good narrative. So uh, for those that don't know, Adam, myself, and Chris and Dogfather, we host a show Tuesday through Thursday at eleven thirty a.m. Eastern time. Tomorrow we are featuring Omnisat. Um, we're getting Bunzi and Jen on the show. We're going to dive through Testnet native brc20 to bitcoin swaps i'm also you know one of the core contributors to that that we began creating back in april so it's been a long way here testnet is exciting hopefully it'll be something novel but they're going to walk us through everything live on stream so you could see really how it works it's been some insane numbers by the way before i close this up here over eleven thousand site visits um i think we're close to 800 swaps on and this is on testnet and uh, around 3,000 unique 
like viewers. And I had never used Bitcoin yes. testnet before. So it was kind of cool to actually like go through and really dabble. It's exactly the same as Bitcoin. One one sat per V-byte fees. So kind of remembering the time where transactions were processed instantly. Those days are long over. So we'll cover that tomorrow. Uh, make sure that you guys follow everybody on stage. Also, Viva, who's in the crowd, congratulations on the memes drop, dude. Big, big step forward getting out to the Ethereum audience. Uh, much, much deserving to you. Maybe we'll talk about that another day here in the future. All right, guys, until then, enjoy your hump day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.